0: Two stories. Um, <clears throat> Back when our kids were little and I was appointed to the South Park Church in Dayton, um, we became friends with uh, our neighbors who lived next door to the Parsonage. Everybody in the neighborhood had elementary-age children. And, and so there were lots of kids and, and um, parents would get together. And Susan hit it off with Mary Berger, our neighbor, and Mary thought it would be a nice idea to have a tea one morning to invite all the mothers uh, to come and meet Susan. And Susan got to, the, to Mary's house early, and Mary said to her, Now, Susan, um, I'm not going to tell them that your husband is a minister. I want them to like you first. To me, that highlights um, the reluctance it is to broach religion in a conversation. We have a reluctance to talk about religious issues, spiritual issues, sacred issues. They're, They're fraught with with a lot of connotations, a lot of meanings. A couple years ago, we were at, spent a, a couple of nights at a bud, bud, bed and breakfast in Amish country. And I got to uh, the breakfast uh, after people had started eating, and Susan had been there, and she was eating, and she was conversing with the other couples at the table. And... Um, soon after I arrived, and we were talking about some things, Susan said, I've got to go back to the room. John, I'll meet you in a half hour at the car. Great. And um, we're talking, and at a lull in the conversation, one of the people said, so your wife tells me you're a minister. And at that point, he started to give me his opinion on all topics religion. And I was reminded of the reluctance people have to talk about religious issues. Um, there is in our culture a, a desire to, to, to avoid religion. I, I think some of it has to do with um, some people are just indifferent. Some people are just indifferent. Um, you know, they don't go to church. They don't have any familiarity with spiritual or sacred, sacred words or actions. Um, they wouldn't know what lifting the bread means. They wouldn't know what breaking the bread or distributing the bread means. Um, there's also reluctance to talk about religious things um, out of ignorance. You know, um, talk to me about the virgin birth now. Talk to me about original sin. I don't know. Um, and then the chief reason that there's a reluctance to talk about spiritual or religious issues is we just want to avoid the conversation we are as divided on religious issues as we are divided in red and blue states as I learned at that bed and breakfast at the table we knew the words but was in a sense that the common words separated us. We were divided by our words, not united by our words. The words weren't a bridge. The the words blocked us and were a barrier. and, And I just felt it was more restful just to avoid the whole conversation. Words are important. You know, God uses words to create. God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Yeah. Words create, words heal, words reconcile and bring together. You yeah. know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Yet we also know that words can divide and they can hurt. You know, Francis, St. Francis said, you know, let your life, something like, let your life be a sermon, and if, pos- if, if necessary, use words. But the fact is, he used words to say that, to point out, you know, how important words are, really. But in our society, with church attendance going down, people aren't as familiar with the words as they used to be. The wonderful words of life. And even if they're familiar with the words, they avoid them for stereotyping. You know, they don't want to be stereotyped. So the words And the concepts are not being used as much as they used to be in conversation. And as words are not used frequently, the concepts and ideas and realities behind those words are not thought of, are not used as often. When we don't use words We don't connect to the realities behind them. The words are like a a conduit. I did pretty well taking calculus. I got good grades in calculus 50 years ago. I couldn't tell you one concept from calculus now. I have not used one calculus word that I'm aware of in the last 50 years. Those words have just fallen off my radar. And so that way of thinking has fallen off my radar. Same with organic chemistry. I could probably draw a benzene ring. And that's it. You know, Not using the words, they become stale and just fall off the map. I used to know Hebrew pretty well but I don't use it that often anymore, and it's, it's a struggle, so I, I don't think that way anymore. So when we don't use certain religious words, and studies show that it's not just words like virgin birth or original sin or atonement, it's also words like perseverance and faith and compassion and mercy. Those words... Fruits of the Spirit are not used as often, so the concepts and the realities are not thought of as often. When we don't use the words and we don't use the languages, we lose the way of thinking. So the conversation that happened on the road to Emmaus is not happening very often. You know, if somebody, if we were talking, even if we were talking about religion, if somebody came up to us and said, what are you talking about? We would probably change the topic because we just don't want to talk about that with a stranger and get into it. You know. That they were talking about Jesus that Cleopas and his companion were talking about Jesus, I think, made them more receptive to actually experiencing Jesus. If I'm thinking of something, I'm more likely to see it and to experience it. And that they had experienced Jesus probably at the Last Supper breaking the bread, that they had seen Jesus feeding the 5,000, lifting the bread and breaking it, made it more likely that they would experience Jesus when Jesus broke the bread at Emmaus. So using the words and the language and the actions are very important to make our experience of religion and others' experiences deeper and significant. When we use those words and we get to the actions and realities behind those words, our hearts burn within us. We come alive. We are reborn, to use another loaded religious word. We're born again, to use another loaded religious word. We feel redeemed, to use another re- lo- loaded religious word. Yeah. And we start to understand things. I, I heard a, um, an interview with an Indian American uh, this week who was talking about the prejudice he experienced as as a person of color, um, growing up in the United States. And he said, I suffered quite a bit because I didn't have the language to express and understand what was happening to me. When we have the language we can understand better what's happening around us and going on in our lives. Now this effort to um, recover the language that we no longer use takes one of two tracks. The first track is to say this is what, to just pick on something, this is what the atonement means. This is what it means, and this is all that it means. And when you're trying to save a word or try to save a language that's dying, that's a tendency, is to say that is what this word means, and that is only what it means, to protect that word and build a fence around it so we know clearly what that word means. Now, if you disagree with what I say that is, well, you're just wrong. You're wrong. And you're out, and you're excluded. And that's going on in religion and spiritual life now. You know? That's what atonement means. That's what salvation means. That's what communion means. You know? and, and people are cut out and not part of the fellowship because they don't use the word properly. You know, the word gets fossilized. And we've probably encountered people who will, who will do that to us because we don't use the religious word properly, we're out. I obviously don't want to line up with that side. The other side says, okay, that word has so much um, baggage with it, it's so much um, you know, exclusion with it, that I'm not going to run the risk of of alienating you by using that word, so I just won't use it. Uh, I just won't. Um, I, I, just, I just won't say the word, and I'll, I'll substitute another word for it. I did that during Advent in one of my sermons. I'm sure you all caught it. Um, salvation. I talked about salvation in one Advent sermon, and I felt talking about. Salvation would have too many connotations, and for some people would have negative connotations and would be off-putting, you know, because it might smack of heaven and hell, and you're you're going to hell and that. And so I said very early in the sermon, I believe the experience of being at home is similar to the experience of feeling saved. And I said so when you think about home that's what it's like to be saved. When you feel that warmth and acceptance and that nourishment and that renewal that one often gets at home that's what it's like being saved. So I just threw out the word and put in a new one. Um, That's okay except the word's gone then and words like Salvation and atonement have meaning um, and have a richness to them. There's a third way. There's a third way of using religious and spiritual words. And that is to play with them. That is to play with them. The class um, I taught in the spring on one verse from the book of Genesis... God was in this place, and I, I did not know it. There were seven interpretations from that verse. Seven. Not just one, but seven. And all of them were valid. Words we know have connotations. Words can go off on many different angles and many different uses, and using a word is like holding up a prism and seeing all the different colors rather than fossilize a word and say this is what it means or throwing out the word the third way is to play with it and say "Oh, oh salvation could mean this and it could mean that and spirit doesn't mean I have to speak in tongues or I have to roll in the aisles Spirit could mean I'm spirited and full of life and irrepressible. It could mean that my heart burns within me and I'm born again and full of energy and new life. You know, Born again could mean I get a new start. I get a second chance you know, to play with the words. And when we play with those words, our hearts burn within us. You know, when Jesus was talking to them on the road to Emmaus, I think he was probably playing with the scriptures and saying, there's a different way of seeing these verses. There's a different way of seeing these words. The words are good. See them differently. Play with them. Now do you get it? Now do you get it? And the words no longer become barriers to our connection to God or our connection to each other they become bridges I think it's very very important for us to have religious conversations and spiritual conversations for we recover the words and we recover the realities and just like the apostles the disciples on the road to Emmaus when they rediscover that reality They share it with others. They ran back to Jerusalem to share it with others. So, for February and March, leading up to Easter, Colleen and I are going to do a series, a sermon series, on words. One word a Sunday that we might struggle with, that we might avoid, that we might not know what it is. We might not know how to talk about it, but we're going to struggle with playing with those words, and it shouldn't be a struggle to play. We're going to play with those words to look at them in a fresh way. Words like disappointment, and pain, and faith, and community, and church, and God, and creeds, and prayer and confession and original sin. We're going to look at those words um, so that our hearts burn within us. And I'll just say that we're basing our series on a book called Speaking, Learning to Speak God from Scratch by Jonathan Merritt. It's, it's a good book. It's on Amazon. But our goal Our goal is to recover the rich spiritual words, the rich language, so that our hearts will burn within us and we will share that with others. May it be so. Amen.